You're listening to All Things Crime, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Three Men and a Mystery, and Zodiac Speaking. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Warning. All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. Just, you know, nice and quiet and all that. But it was surrounded by woods. And one day I'm getting in my car on the way to work and I throw my stuff in and I put my right foot in and I go to sit down and my left foot is stuck on something. And I look and it looks like this big furry cat is humping my leg only I realized that it's got big teeth and it's biting my ankle and it's a fox I had never seen a fox before I never met one and certainly didn't expect one to be attached to my leg like this so I get out and of course my first instinct is grab my gun to shoot it and then I was like no somebody is setting me up because this thing came out of nowhere and I thought I'm being punked and there's a camera somewhere And so I was like, they want me to shoot myself in the foot, right? That's what's going to happen here. And so I put my gun away and I'm like slamming it against the car. And I'm, I have to eventually use some very choice language. And, and I dragged it all the way into the garage. It won't let go. And I grab a shovel and I start whacking it over the head. And finally it lets go and runs uh, under my car. That is because her parents thought they were protecting her, but didn't realize that she had this access. The access is there. And believe me, if you don't talk to your kids about sex or sexual victimization, there are definitely people out there who would love to talk to them about it. Right. Because that's part of the grooming process. And kids are curious about sex because as adults, we, we give all these nonverbals where we tell them not to talk to us about sex because if it comes on the radio, we turn it off on the TV show. We don't let them watch it. We don't let them watch. uh, We block them on the, on the internet from sexually related topics and videos and so forth. So they know that this is not something their parents want to talk to them about. And so they don't go to their parents when something comes up in a sexual nature. And that's unfortunate. If you're open with your child about sex from day one, there's no reason not to start talking to them like you talk to them when they're in, you know, a tiny little baby just after they're born. The earlier you start, the less of a hurdle it is to get over to talk to them. The longer you wait, the harder it is to talk to your child about sex. And you don't have to do it in an outrageous way. You can do it in a sexually appropriate way age appropriate for that child and you can do it in a loving caring supportive way make sure they know that you're doing this to help protect them you're teaching them something and it's a wonderful thing and they will grow up and things will develop and so on and so forth and 
and you, you know, you can do this. And if you do that, what you're doing is you're preventing your kids from hearing rumors and searching out information away from you. They'll come to you with questions to get rid of your hangups about it before you can talk to your kids about it. So right. it's something that I think every parent needs to do just because it is a real and present risk for every kid. Yeah, they're going to find out and they're going to be curious. And again, there are so many avenues for them to get information. And most of them are not going to be protected avenues. And some of them are going to set them up for victimization. So why even risk that? Oh, absolutely. So, hey, uh, one of the things that I think the last time we actually talked was when that West Memphis 3 show came out. Mm -hmm. And obviously switching gears here a little bit. So uh, did a little M-backing on that show. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I, and, well, of course. Um, you know you I've know, been one of your biggest fans ever since I met you. Oh, yeah. And that was just the coolest thing. And, you know, the discussion with you and I can't remember the... Bob Ruff? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Stud, man. That was a great show. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I tell you, when we were watching the videos of a particular interview... And I heard him say that he waited at the restaurant for the cops to come to make the report away from his house. You know, that hair that stands up on the back of your, that's what happened. Mm. And I said, oh my God, he didn't want the cops at his house. Why wouldn't you make the report from your home? Why wouldn't you have the cops come to your home so that if your kid arrived back home, you'd be there? Rather than him coming to an empty home. If right. you didn't know your kid wasn't coming home, yeah, you could make that move. But if you thought your kid and he, his, your kid was supposed to be home, if you thought your kid was coming home, why would you stay at this restaurant away from home and keep your wife there too for a cop, waiting for a cop to arrive and then waiting to make this whole report? That whole time your kid could have been at home and you never knew. And that sounded very inconsistent with a father mm. who was actually looking for his child. So that yeah. just kind of perked my ears up. And then you listen to little details and nuances of what he said. And that created a lot of suspicion in my mind. That case had a ton of just bizarre things going on. So, yeah. But the other thing that really clicked in my mind in talking to Bob, because he asked me, you know, he asked me some question very early on. And I said, you have to understand, this is the only triple homicide of eight-year-old boys in United States history that I'm aware of. It's never happened before in my career or since in my career. So let's look at why. Is it a triple homicide of three eight-year-old boys? Or is it a homicide of one boy and the murder of two eyewitnesses? And that changed everything. Because you're not looking for some kind of monster that would run around and kill three boys. What you're looking for is somebody who probably killed somebody out of rage and then had to cover his tracks. Yeah, that makes it's sense. a much more realistic crime, especially for that neighborhood, for the situation. And, you know, had the investigating officers taken that tact immediately instead of looking for Satanists, it would have saved three young men, a couple decades in prison, and it would have actually probably resolved the case, a case that still remains open today.
Yeah, it's fortunate. As far as the MVAC goes, you know, we've never had a shot at some of that evidence, the sticks. I know. Things that like. And and the knots, the knots. Yeah. Yeah. The knots of the ropes. um, Even the clothing that he had to have stripped off there. Mm -hmm. You know, if they would have found them relatively soon, you know, that's not. and, And if it was stored properly. You know, there's there's a chance, and I know, and so, uh, a request, and hopefully one day they will comply, yeah, apply, and they will move the case forward. But um, to think that they still consider this case closed and resolved with the Alfred plea that that is literally insane. It's insane to think that those three guys had anything to do with this is just it's just, it's it's just pure ignorance. I'm Mike Morford. And I've been researching the Zodiac case for years. Zodiac, just the name. It sounds sinister. It inspires fear. The fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing. He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area, you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner-style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics, and even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished, but he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Oh, well, it's, it's a, and in fact, that, that, that kind of segues into something that I was discussing, I think, with Cloyd Steiger. Um, I don't know if you know him, a homicide mm-hmm. detective yeah. out of Seattle. Yeah. It's interesting that there's almost a compartmentalization in agencies when it comes to cases. And well, in fact, I was talking to Lee Miller as well. And he was saying, you know, at some junction, most detectives are going, especially a homicide detective, are going to come upon a, a period in a case. You know, this, this isn't the run-of-mill homicide. This is the mm-hmm. one where uh, there's something weird going on here, like exactly what I would put the, the West Memphis 3 in, mm-hmm. where they're like, you know what? this needs to be taken up to another level. We've got to bring in some expertise from the outside and look at this and, and make sure that we're on the right track. Because like you said, everything is time sensitive, especially when it involves children. Yeah. And so the more time that you spend on a certain case or on a certain path, especially if that path is not accurate, then the further away, you know, it's, it's like a, an aircraft that's off by two or three degrees after an hour, it's, that's a long ways off. Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, with the fleeting nature of forensic evidence and eyewitnesses and anybody who might be able to help or the ability to destroy evidence on somebody who did bad things, time is not our helper. It's definitely an enemy. Well, I, I've kept you for a while. So before I go, you know, one of my favorite things about doing this show is finding something and lightening things up a little bit and okay. maybe finding something that's a little more humorous. So if you were at uh, Thanksgiving dinner, you got your friends and family around you and, you know, pre COVID obviously, because you can't yeah. do that now, but 
And somebody was saying, Jim, tell us the funniest thing that has ever happened to you in your career. I'm sure you've got a couple of those in your back pocket. What would you, what would you say? Wow. Well, I, I guess it, it has to be, it has to be the, the Fox incident. So I was living in Washington, D.C. and working in Quantico uh, in the behavioral analysis unit. And somebody told me about a, um, an auction that was, you know, they were auctioning tools at this house in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is closer to where, where I was working. And I went there and I bought some tools and I ended up buying the house, too. And I moved to Fredericksburg, Virginia, you know, from New York City to the middle of the woods. Literally, uh, the house was surrounded by like 1800 acres of woods and it was incredibly isolated and just you know nice and quiet and all that but it was surrounded by woods and one day i'm getting in my car on the way to work and i throw my stuff in and i put my right foot in and i go to sit down and my left foot is stuck on something and i look and it looks like this big furry cat is humping my leg only i realized that it's got big teeth and it's biting my ankle and it's a fox i had never seen a fox before i never met one and certainly didn't expect one to be attached to my leg like this so i get out and of course my first instinct is grab my gun to shoot it and then i was like no somebody is setting me up because this thing came out of nowhere and i thought i'm being punked and there's a camera somewhere and so I was like, they want me to shoot myself in the foot, right? That's what's going to happen here. And so I put my gun away and I'm like slamming it against the car. And I'm, I have to <laughs> eventually use some very choice language. And, and I dragged it all the way into the garage. It won't let go. And I grab a shovel and I start whacking it over the head. And finally, it let go, lets go and runs uh, under my car. So I go inside and I call 911. And I'm calmly telling them, well, I'm not really calmly telling them. I'm screaming like a little girl. Uh, ah, this wild animal's attacking me. Oh, my God, that's terrible. And so I, they said, calm down, sir. Calm down, sir. And I can't believe this recording never showed up at my retirement. But they said, um, you have to catch it because we need to section its brain for the rabies test. And they said, whatever you do, don't do anything to its head. And I was like, Oops. <laughs> oh, well. So uh, I went back outside and I grabbed like the shovel and a garbage can and I'm going to catch this thing. Right. And I come around the corner of the house is biting on the chain link fence, trying to get at Rottweiler, which he was like, you know, here at this point. And he, you know, Fox sees me come around the corner, just looks at me and just comes straight at me with like hissing and foaming at the mouth and all this stuff. And I said, the hell with this. And I grab my, my gun and I do my weaver stance and I shoot him twice. No, I shoot him once and it was in the right shoulder. It goes right through him and doesn't even phase him. I shoot him again, dead center of mass, and he falls down. And then because I'm from the Bronx, I go up and give him one behind the ears. because <laughs> You mess with the wrong guy. And then I said, what was interesting is during that time, I said, to myself, oh, I'm going to have to call my neighbors and tell them why I'm shooting. You know, even though they're like a half mile away, they'll hear this. But then as I'm pulling the trigger, it just sounded like pop, pop, pop. And I don't have any headphones, you know, headphones on. I don't have any ear noise suppression in my ears, but it just sounded like pop, pop, pop. And I was like, wow, I guess I don't have to call them. But immediately my phone starts ringing because my neighbors were calling to find out what I was shooting. 
So it was really loud, but that was the auditory. What's it called? Auditory. Um, I can't remember what it's called, like closure where your your ears like shut down and your focus becomes incredibly focused on the target. And I didn't I saw that fox. What I didn't see were the two 1000 gallon propane tanks right behind him <laughs> that I could have blown up with those shots. I mean, it was just crazy, but you just get totally focused on your target. Kind anyway, of a fight, the, fight or flight response there. Yes. Yeah. And so the uh, the the guy from uh, game control comes out and he gets one of those grabber things and picks it up and and says, you know, damn, this thing looks like switch cheese. What happened to him? You know, anyway, he says, uh, you're going to have to, you know, go to the hospital. So I go to the hospital and the doctor says, you're going to have to get these radi rabies shots. But let me give you this shot of Dilaudid first. I was like, Dilaudid, isn't that like a narcotic? And he said, yeah, this is going to be really painful. And I was like, I'm not taking narcotics. I'm an FBI agent. You know, he rolls up a towel and says, bite on this. And I was like, are we in the old West or something? You know, you're going to give me a shot of whiskey next anyway. Oh my God. It was the most painful thing in the world. He gave me four shots around the bites on my ankle and then nine other shots in my hips and shoulders. And it, they were the most mm. painful. It was like shooting jello into you. So it was like tearing open your flesh. It was, it was very horrible. And I had to get that the first third, seventh, 14th and 28th days, all those shots. Again, it was not fun. But when he told me that it was going to be painful, I said, well, couldn't we wait and see if I actually get rabies? And he said, it's 100 percent fatal. I was like, all right, let's go. So I did juice, that. Juice me up, man. Yeah, I came home and the tail from the fox is hanging from my front door. So I was like, did I move into some voodoo kind of town here? What's going on? But apparently after the fox hunts, that's what was done. And Virginia has fox hunts. That's what the winner gets the tail. All right, great. That's what I really wanted. And then I get to work the next day and my office is crossed with police line tape. And on the floor is a chalk outline of a fox and three shell casings. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's a comedian, you know. So my uh, my colleagues thought that was kind of funny. So I would say that. And then the resultant reports about this at my retirement were the funniest thing that happened to me as an FBI agent. Wow. Well, I have to tell you, Jim, I've done this. Uh, I think this is like the 23rd episode of All Things Crime. And of all the stories that I have heard, that has to be one of the better, definitely one of the better ones. And Thank you. Well, I'm there's glad one with... She was a cop in, in Ohio and she got a call one night that some guy was reporting a Sasquatch in the backyard that was like dancing around a fire. Obviously, this guy was completely inebriated. But perhaps or short of uh, short of Sasquatch. Neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure they took that into consideration. It might have been ugly neighbors, but Short of Sasquatch in the backyard, man, that uh, fox okay. chewing on your ankles. That's a great story. It was insane. And while I was getting the, the shots the next time or two weeks later, there was a 76-year-old man who was out chopping wood in his backyard and the same exact thing happened to him. He just, out of nowhere, um, only 
he just had an axe in his hand and he just swiped the guy. The, the, he swiped down and cut the fox's head off and just walked into the hospital with the fox's head. So, so did the fox end up having rabies? He did have rabies. Yes. Well, good thing you yeah. got those painful shots. Yeah. And I didn't end up with it, which is a good thing. One yeah. thing with rabies that I learned is the time it takes is directly proportional from the, to the distance between where you're and your brain. Once it gets to your brain, you're going to die. Like a woman who was uh, cut by a bat in her hair, you know, and it clawed her scalp. Uh, she died very quickly uh, from it. And so you got to be careful. Rabies is not something you mess with. And yeah. I understand that they've done a little better in terms of the shots that they're not as frequent and, and not as horrible. So hopefully it's not as bad if anybody else gets bit by a random fox that's out trying to chew your ankles well i i've seen people like playing with raccoons and things like that and i'm just like that is a wild animal and if it's aggressive you have absolutely no idea it's what they're anyway, capable they, you know of. i i grew up in the woods and so i've learned a lot of these things but yeah for the people that haven't <laughs> just stay away well, from them i didn't and i knew enough to try to stay away from them <laughs> Well, hey, I'm going to end this here. So I, I appreciate your time. It's great talking to you, Jared. Okay. Hey, thanks. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Keep up the good work. Take care. You too. Appreciate Bye. it. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime day. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. 